Hello and welcome to Cycling Talk with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today I'm joined by Southwest Cyclocross legend, Lester Young. Thank you for joining me today, Lester. All right, that's lovely, Georgia. Uh, it's very nice to be asked. So I'll start with an easy one then, Lester, okay? So you've recently taken on the role as chairman of Southwest Cyclocross League and have been involved with the league since the start. How do you feel about the first committee decisions as chair to cancel the 2020 season? Uh, yes, it was a big decision to freeze the league for a season. Uh, a lot of discussion took place, but uh, at the end, uh, the protection and health and safety of all our riders, organisers, commissaires, lap scorers, marshals, venue owners and their families was the utmost importance. Um, I feel, personally, I feel the decision we made in June was the right one then, and I still feel the same today. In, in my opinion, nothing has changed. Um, one thing that did uh, highlight was how much we depend on our, how can I say it politely, our more mature volunteers that do such a good job. And um, as, as we move forward, we are really going to need youngsters to help move our sport forward. So when I heard that Georgia was doing um, the podcast like this, brilliant. That's, thank you so much, Georgia. This is what we need to enthusiastic youngsters getting involved. So um, brilliant, Georgia. I'd, I'd be interested to see what a young person's opinion of the COVID thing is. And does, does she hate me for cancelling the league and spoiling her sport? But it's really the same for Georgia as what it is for Robin. It's just a season, hopefully, just a season out. But yeah. what do you think, Georgia? Well, obviously, I think it is, as you said, a big decision. But um, I think as long as people are safe, then that's really important. And I think one of the nice things about Cyclocross is that we're amateurs. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way, but we're enthusiastic amateurs. And we do our best to do the right things. And uh, we try our best to get things right i think on this one we have done safety is the main thing and we love our riders and families i might yeah. be a soppy git for saying that but that's true i love that presentation when everybody was sat all the kids there with their vans and all the other and the adults as well and it was such a happy day and then to go from that to this uh, uh yeah we can return yeah what was your first memory of riding a bike? Probably my first that I can remember is I had a tricycle and I used to ride round and round the building site, which was where my father was building the family house. And I wasn't very happy that he was getting on and building the house because the more he built the house, the less of a track I had to ride <laughs> round. But that, that's my first memory of riding a bike and a tricycle. But um, going on from then, racing-wise, it was Cycle Speedway at the local park. And I must have been 10 or 11 then, possibly a little bit younger. And like all kids, we used to go to the park and play football and everything and put jumpers down for goalposts and everything. And one day, some bright spark said, we were all into motorbike speedway and loved going and watching it and everything. And uh, some bright spark said, oh, let's put these two, these two jumpers down and we'll have races around them. And that's what we did in our local park for about five years. Somebody got a load of elastic bands off the postman 
we stringed them together for like starting tapes. Oh. And we was we was happy, but just happy as Larry. We had so much fun and games. And it was such a simple thing. And I, I really don't know why clubs don't do this with children, because if it's just a basic when I'm talking cycle speedway, it's not like a, a shale track or anything. It's just a, a bare patch of grass about 60, 80 yards round. And it's just simple fun. Gives help with riding for a teammate, basic fitness, cornering, and such, so many memories from right racing in pitch black. It was so dark and we was having such a good time. And then a fella called Clifford Denton, when everybody buckled a wheel, used to give it to Cliff and he put it on the on the ground and jumped up and down on it to unbuckle a wheel. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first taste of racing. Have you always been into cycling or did you have another sport? Well, I love all sports, really. But uh, it is one that will surprise you, ballroom dancing. Oh. Um, like uh, probably a lot of brothers and sisters, I used to get dragged along to my sister's dancing classes and they're always desperate for boys to do dancing. So I, I, it wasn't, I wasn't dragged kicking and screaming. And I had a lovely, lovely lady of a teacher, Mary Richardson in Reading. And she taught me so much about training, dedication, training, teaching me to be light on my feet, which in later life come in really good in, uh, when, my, when I did the running. And the other thing she gave me was a, it wasn't something I didn't have, but she gave me a really good respect for women, which I hope that I still carry on for now. But memories of that, and I'm going to do a lot of name dropping in this thing. I remember after my lesson, I was only like eight years old or something. I'd have my lesson and I'd be waiting for the bus home. And her competition pra practice partner used to come in and they used to train together and we used to watch them. And uh, her partner was a fella called Reg. And sometimes he brought his baby in and his baby was called Ian. And we used to absolutely laugh and joke because this little baby had these absolutely stinky, smelly nappies. <laughs> and then the other day I was watching Strictly and this fella come on, Ian White. And he won it, didn't he? He won Strictly. <laughs> and I, I, I can remember his smelly, stinky nappies. <laughs> so there you go. So that, that was boring dancing. So that was good fun. And then, like I say, the cycle speedway. Um, still got good friends with them. And some of them still ride cyclocross. I went on to helping out with BMX at Henley Hornets, mm -hmm. which was at the beginning. So that must have been about the end of the 70s. And it was a small club. And Henley's a, Henley on Thames is a very posh place. And the council was worried about the disruptive children. So they gave us this park to build our own <laughs> BMX track mm -hmm. and it was a small but it was a happy band um we had 20 members and of that 20 members there was a fella called Richard Burns who was the most lovely loveliest boy you could ever meet and of course he went on to be world rally champion oh, yeah we went <laughs> we had Dean Ashley he went on to be world lawnmower <laughs> champion we had me brother Carl He's ridden down, he's won the Irish Downhill Championships and he's ridden for Ireland at world level. Rob Warner used to come about occasionally. He's the, he does the commentary on Red Bull, doesn't he? Yeah. He was more off on his trials bikes, to be fair, but he did come about a bit. 
And the other one that was really weird, we had a fella called Luke Daniels. And he went on to be BBC Young Folk Musician of the Year. And he's gone on to be a world-renowned folk superstar. And <laughs> I wonder if he's still got his diamond back. But so that, 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 that was that episode. So my life in sport is all jokey and laughy and everything. It's brought many happy memories. I had another time, another completely different avenue. I was involved in women's football. Oh. And I was a proud coach of Reading Ladies Football Club. So there was that. Um, and then really my real passion, really, apart from the cycling, was running. And I'm proud to say I got 130 marathons in these legs. Wow. Uh, 50 sub threes. And oh, I hate to think any, how many half marathons, 10Ks, cross countries. Yeah, so loads and loads of running. So, yeah, that's my sport in life, really. Wow. How about yourself, Georgia? Let's find out something about you. Um, what, <laughs> what sports do you like? I think I've always been into cycling. I, I think I just like any sport, really. Just sports in general is fun, yeah. Was it Murray Walker said, all experiences can be a good experience, although they might not be a good experience at the time. Can you tell me a bit about how you got into cyclocross? Uh, I was thinking about that and I managed to find out a programme. My dad took me to what was then called a Viking Trophy race, which was a forerunner to the National Trophies. And this was in the 1960s. And uh, I must have been about seven or eight then. And it was at Prospect Park in Reading, which by a strange coincidence, that was where you previously in interviewed Cameron Mason. And that was where he had his first race was Prospect Park. So um, I still have the programme and some of the riders, there was John Atkins was riding, Keith Menacle, Ivesy, Mick Ives. Mm -hmm. And I've always known about cyclocross. And uh, I think it must have been about 1995, 96-ish. I was on my way back after competing in a running race somewhere near Oxford. And I saw these arrows for a... Uh, cyclocross race and I thought, oh, that looks interesting I, I wasn't in a hurry to get home it was a nice day I thought I'd go and have a look at that and uh blow me one of my friends from cycle speedway was riding so oh. we had a little yap after the race and everything and uh told me where next week's race was so by next week I found a bike in a skip and there I was I was hooked I needn't, needn't need to say that the bike I found in a skip wasn't anything special. <laughs> but it got me started. Have you ever actually raced internationally? Uh, I've not raced internationally at cyclocross. Um, in the marathons, yep. I ran Long Beach in California. Uh, Big Sur, that's uh, on the Pacific Highway. That's in California. Mm -hmm. New York. Montreal, Berlin, Boston, Appledorn, Moscow. Moscow, they started to race 10 minutes early and all the Americans, it almost caused a war. <laughs> they started to race 10 minutes early and all the Americans were fuming. They thought it was a, 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 a plot. But, um, yeah, that was a good story. Strange drinks at the drink stations yeah. in Russia. What's your favourite race that you've ever done? Ah, so can I steal a, a running race? Um, yeah, yeah, it can be a running race, yeah. Yeah? 
Well, I'll go for the, the 100th Boston Marathon, which was in 1996. And because it was in America, it didn't get a lot of press in the UK. But uh, it was fab to be part of history. It was such a historic event. It's 100 years of running marathon races in Boston. And every, they, they brought back all the ex-champions and got all the Olympic champions. So when you walk down the street in the build-up to the race, you met people like Ron Hill, Douglas Wakihuri, Frank Shorter, Bill Rogers, Carlos Lopez, Charlie Spedding, Rob de Castella, Rosa Mota, Greta Weitz, Ingrid Christensen, Joyce Smith, Joni Boy Knight. They were all there. And it was, it, I'm, I'm sorry, George. I'm sure a lot of these, I'm just reminiscing, and a lot of these names don't mean anything to you, but they were all the old champions and raced, not for the money, but for the love of it. And it was a fabulous thing to be a part of. And I remember we was going to the start. They had these hordes of coaches that took us, took us to the start. And we was on this coach and bless her, the lady got lost on the way to the start of the race. And she was crying her eyes out. She was so upset. And everybody on this bus was from all over the world. And somebody started singing, all you need is love. You know the Beatles song? <laughs> and so the whole bus is singing. <laughs> and then the next minute, this police car pulled up, give us a, an escort to the start. And the bus driver at the end, she was just crying her eyes out with happiness. And that's, that's the memory I take away from the Boston Marathon. So, yeah, cracking oh, yeah. event to be a part of. Yeah, it sounds really nice. Could you actually pick a cyclocross race as well? Cyclocross, what I've taken part in? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there was, it was one at um, South Devon Community Centre. It was a really mucky, muddy day. <laughs> and it, it, it used to be a really short course there. And there was a funny downhill section there. And everybody was trying to ride it and then get off at the bottom. Well, I, I used this, the postman's technique, because I used to be a postman. And I didn't get on the bike. I just sort of stra straggled it, just like you're riding the, when you're delivering a postman's bike. And it yeah. just made such a difference in the race. And, yeah, I did really well. I think it was South South Devon College at Ashburton. That's it. Yeah. So that's my best race, personally. So everybody in the Southwest knows you as the leading pit man. When did that all begin? I, I love that as a compliment. But um, that would have been 2010. And Steve Davis started racing again in the Southwest League events. And we started yapping and everything. And... Uh, I can't remember who asked who. It, it just seemed to be one of those things that clicked together. And uh, we went off to the national trophies and everything and championships. And, uh, yeah, on the way, you form these relationships because we have to have such long drives to everywhere that we sort out all the problems of the world in the vans. So, <laughs> we, yeah. And the same with Robin as well. Robin's lovely as well, and he's such a nice bloke. And Yeah, so... There was a similar sort of thing. And we, we used to see, when I was helping Steve, we used to see Robin at the trophies as well. And I used to help him as much as I can. So, yeah, that was how it's, that was when I put my finger on. I started as a pit man. Yeah. So you supported many riders from the Southwest to compete and win nationally and on the world stage. Can you tell me some of the places that this has taken you? 
We've been everywhere. We've been <laughs> everywhere. And it has been such a fun and joyous journey along the way. Um, we've been to France. We've been to Switzerland. We've been to Holland. We've been to Germany, Italy, Scotland, Wales. Oh, and that country where they do the chips, is it Belgium? Yeah, we've had some lovely times in Belgium. Yeah, yeah. So you've been there too. <laughs> What's the atmosphere like in some of those countries? Atmosphere? Yeah, it's, it, it differs from every, every country really, country to country. Yeah, it can be really good. Yeah, most of them it's, it's good and every, it's a, soccer cross is a silly sport because everybody encourages one another. There's very rarely any nastiness. And uh, yeah, so abroad. And they kind of, I don't know, they kind of laugh at the Brits a little bit abroad. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> but it's reciprocal, so it's all good fun. And oh, it's all good night. Yeah. Which was the best venue that you've ever been to? Best venue I've ever been to? Oh, cyclocross-wise... That's so hard because I've been so many and they're, they're generally always in beautiful places in the, around the world. Um, the Euros last year in November, in, uh, it, it was a place near Venice and they, they just bent over backwards to accommodate people and make us feel so welcome. Yeah. And that, that was well, it was a really nice place and it was one of the first places that really got hit by the virus when you felt so bad for those poor people who just tried so hard to accommodate everybody and they were going through all this hardship which was sad yeah. but um i guess probably switzerland would would beat that i know it was minus 10 whenever we went to switzerland <laughs> and it was freezing cold but it was up in the mountains and it was just everywhere you looked you just went wow yeah absolutely yeah so switzerland what do you think makes a good cross course well as a pit man <laughs> one where the pits aren't too far away from the parking <laughs> the plentiful supply of water is a big big help we, we found out at Shrewsbury uh, and, and also if the pits have a good view of the course that really helps because uh, if you have a blind corner just before the, the, the riders come into the pits you can't see when the riders are coming although you're concentrating you're new, you should be ready for them it, it still does provide problems um, as a, if I'm going for a spectator, if you get a good 10, 12 riders that are all in, they can put on a good race on what isn't the most spectacular or technical of, of courses. So it could be a good race on, on any venue, really. Yeah. What's the main difference between the National Trophy pits in the UK compared to the European pits? Main, main problem, when you go abroad, they generally have communal jet washes, which are like uh, heavy-duty ones and work all the time. And there's usually quite a plentiful supply. And also, the pitmen are, are more laid back. The Belgians will be stood there having a cigarette and just <laughs> and take it as it comes. Whereas at a national trophy in Britain, everybody's just, it's like 60 people at the pits trying to cram forward and be the first for their rider, even if their rider's in last place. And yeah. Oh, there's so much jostling that goes on. But you can't knock their enthusiasm. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you've supported my dad at national champs and he said that having someone like you in the pits 
gives you the confidence for a race and knowledge that your bike is in safe hands. What are your best tips as a pit man? Concentrate. Concentrate the whole time. <laughs> oh, try and follow your ride around the course and concentrate. So many times I've seen it, people start yapping to one another. <laughs> don't do that. Just don't do it. Follow your rider all the way around the course. Your rider needs you and, and trusts you. That's why they've given you their prized possession, the most important thing, their bicycle. Yeah. And, and when you give them tip, when you, you've got like a couple of seconds to say something to them, every lap, don't lie to them. That's, that's just stupid. Don't lie to them. You only get a second or so to shout something to them. So give them time gaps. Try them to be positive and simple stuff. Shouting at them. Let, let's them know in their head while they're riding around that you're looking after their backs and you're there and you care. Mm. It's, it's okay when you're looking after one ride in a race. Two's hectic, but <laughs> three, I have done it, but it is really pushing it. Yeah. Um, try and think of, of all eventualities before they happen. Whilst normally I have some sort of jet wash or something like that in the pits, I always like to have a bucket and water and a pair of old knickers just for the worst case scenario. <laughs> and uh, I've got to say, all the riders that I've worked with, it's been an honour to work with them. They've always been fantastic fun, understanding. I hope I haven't messed up. I can't remember messing up anybody's race or anything. And the teams I've worked with, I've worked with Hargroves. They were lovely. Um, and also the same with Magsby. They were brilliant. And Robin is just such a gentleman. And the girls appreciate everything you, you do for them. And they're really great fun to work with. So I've just been so lucky to work with great people, lovely people. And thank you to all those people. Well, We're yeah. really lucky to have you. So that actually, for those of the people that don't know, can you just tell them who Robin is? Because you've been mentioning him. Oh, so Robin Delve is two-time world champion over the 60s and last year he was uh, second in the over 60s in the European Championships and he won the national trophy over 60s mm -hmm. so yeah that's Robin Dow. Yeah have you learned something new during lockdown? <laughs> have I? Yes I, uh, I don't know if anybody knows Ed Pratt is Ed Pratt, he, he rode a unicycle around the world, uh, self-supported. Now, how do you carry all your stuff on a, a unicycle? And he, he did a YouTube thing. What, what was amazing about Ed Pratt was he was only like 17 or 18. Imagine telling your mum, oh, I'm just going out on my unicycle around the world. What would she <laughs> Even now, if I go out on the right ride from here, I'm petrified I'm going to get a puncher and I'm not going to yeah. get home. So, oh, he's such a lovely chap and everything. So, yeah, off the back of that, he inspired me to try and ride my unicycle. Um, my sister picked up a unicycle on FreeCycle and gave it to me. So I've made a concerted uh, attempt to master it. And, um, yeah, pleased to say I have got there nearly. Hey. I've mastered a free mount. Yeah, I'm still to master a free mount. Have you learned anything, Georgia? 
well, I've learned how to run a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Right answer. <laughs> Who's your favourite current cyclist? My current one? Um, I better say not including all the riders that I've worked with because I wouldn't like to offend any of them. They're all lovely. I reckon good old Cameron. Cameron's lovely. He's such a nice bloke. He's so young and enthusiastic. His YouTube stuff is so inspiring to youngsters and old-girlers like myself, I guess. Um, he has to work so hard and suffer for everything he gets. The year before he joined Trinity, all those long road trips with his father down to Belgium and Holland. Mm. He's so dedicated. His dad did such a good job as well. And, and here's another strange one. By a strange quirk, I know Cameron's uncle, Ken Chamberlain. He used to be in my running club in Reading. And I was there when Cameron had his first race in Prospect Park, which must have been about 2010, 2011, something like that. So I was there. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was really nice to chat to Cameron. So I hope he's listening now. <laughs> yeah, lovely chap. Who's your favourite um, rider of all time? Yeah, I've pondered on that one. I haven't... I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a bit like, what's your favourite song? Because it could change from day to day. So my favourite all-time rider... Uh, what's going to come out of my mouth? Uh, let's go for an old one. Let's go for Beryl Burton. Um, you probably won't know. For, and I was so lucky. Bless my dad. He took me to go and see Beryl Burton at Palmer Park. That would have been in the 60s. I would have been six or seven. And she was riding on the track. She used to live in Yorkshire and to do a time trial and then turn around and cycle back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Same again. She didn't do that for the money. She didn't do that for the money. She did it because yeah. she loved it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll go for Bless Her Barrel. Thank you so much for coming on today, Lester. It's been really great to chat to you. Oh, no, thank you, George. It's been a pleasure. I hope I haven't bored you with all my old stories <laughs> about old people. No, it's so really it's cool fun. how you know how you've uh, met so many famous people. Loads more stories, <laughs> but we haven't got time. Just, we'll have to save that for part two. <laughs> thank you to all the listeners. They can check out our Instagram at cycling.talk.podcast and they can find our podcast on Spotify and Acast at Cycling Talk Podcast. See you on the bike.